You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Today's focal passage is going to be from John chapter 60, or chapter 6, verses 60 through verse 71. Feel free to follow along on the screens or in your own Bibles. Starting from 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, The Son of Man ascending to where he was before, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh is no help of all. The words that I have spoken to you are the Spirit of life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe, and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered him, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. This is the word of the Lord. You can now have a seat and the kids can be dismissed to their class. Good morning. Good morning. That thing? Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for spending your morning with us. Whether you're a regular around here or not, we are super excited to have you with us. So, not long ago, my mom said, hey, like, you need to watch this show. And so I, I watched the show. The show is called, Is It Cake? <laughs> wow. It's, we'll, just, we'll just pray us out then. That was, or, or it's, it can only go down from there. Um, is It Cake? It's a pretty simple premise. Each baker, I mean, these are like artists, like really good artists. Each baker, they get to choose uh, like four decoys of a certain item, like a a tackle box, or so so they bring out a a cart full of tackle boxes or or bowling pins, a bunch of bowling pins, or like a wooden mallard, or like a a bucket of sand, or whatever. And so they choose four of those, and they bake a cake. And the goal is they have eight hours to bake a cake to match well enough to convince judges from a distance. It's hard to tell. It's not like close inspection, maybe 15 feet uh, that, that it's the real thing. And so like the judges would choose one and then they would say, no, it's, you know, it's, it's not cake or it is cake or whatever. And so the goal is like to deceive essentially, um, is it cake is what the, the host says a lot. And you either like probably love that guy or hate him. Um, he's, he is, he is part of, he's like a factor in your love or hate of the show. And so he says, is it like, you would think he would say, is it cake? But he doesn't, he says, is it cake? And you're like, I don't know. I think you should go down there. But so he says, is it cake? And the thing is, it's, it's really difficult to distinguish like at a glance or even like at, at a short distance, like, is it authentic or is it cake? And, and today 
In our journey to know Jesus through the pen of John, we're forced to ask the same question. Not, is it cake? Our question has nothing to do with, with cake, but, but, but it is, it has everything to do with authenticity and with what's real and what's for show. See, Jesus draws hard lines for his disciples to follow. We've already seen that, and we continue to see that. Here we see him draw lines that reveal the genuineness of heart for the crowds that are following him. And the question is, is it legitimate, or is it, is it fake? And, and the big idea that we see from, from these 11 verses is the tough truths of God will either draw you near or, or will push you away. Right? The tough truths of God will either draw you near to him or will push you away from him. So whether it's, it's cake or a, a dollar bill or a diamond or gold or a relationship or love, we want to know if we have something real. And that desire flows from God and it points us to God. So we'll see this in like several chunks in, in several ways that this kind of unfolds before us. And the first one that we have to understand as we look at that and understanding that, that there are tough truths that, that will either soften us or that, that they will harden us. They will draw us in or they will push us away. The first thing that we have to understand is, is God gives tough truths. Like, I, I hope you know that, and, and certainly we see that here. I remember being in middle school, probably fifth grade, and, and I was hanging out at my friend's house, and I'd been to his house a bunch of times, but like when you're that age and you sit down at dinner at a table, not like pizza over a football game or something, but but you sit down at dinner, you're like, man, you know, like, you know, I know my family eats dinner a certain way, but like, I'm not sure. And so you're just trying to pick up on like what's going on. So we sit down and we're having steak, right? Which was unbelievable. It's incredible. And so, um, but it, but it grew to be one of the more difficult dinners I've ever endured. And in, and I, 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 I cut the steak and I put a piece in my mouth and I chewed and I knew right away, like, and I chewed and I chewed and I chewed, and at one point I was like, this is not going very well. Like, I didn't say that out loud, but I, I think, like, I excused myself to the bathroom, and I, you know, spit the steak in the trash can or whatever, and I come back, and I'm like, okay, like, round two or whatever, and I did it again, and it was like, I, I probably, like, excused myself again, and they're like, what is this guy doing? And, and so it was obvious, and I kind of was trying to read the room and look around, and and eventually, the mom who had just made the food, she looked at me and she said, Michael, uh, are you okay? And I was like, I, I can't eat this. And, you know, like spit it on my plate. And it was like everyone laughed just like that because everybody knew, like everybody knew. And she knew and it was like, this is impossible. And, and she's like, yeah, you know, it. It's, it's a little tough, isn't it? I, we probably like ordered pizza or whatever. Like it was terrible, right? It wasn't, it wasn't me, it was you, like that time. <laughs> Here we see not, not tough steak, but tough truths. And, and Jesus is revealing himself in spirit and truth. And what we see in this uh, verse 60, he says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Eugene Peterson, he, he paraphrases it, he says it this way, like m more appropriately for the analogy, right? Many among his disciples heard this and said, this is tough teaching. It's that they, like they can't handle. 
And what's crazy is the cultural perception of Jesus is certainly one of contrast. Like, there are a lot of people in the middle who are like, eh, Jesus, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like, my grandma used to take me to church or whatever. And it's like, okay, you're, it's not, like, vehement and it's not embracing. It's fine. But then there's the contrast of the poles and those are probably the loudest voices that those who are all in on them, some Jesus, and those who are just all out. But, but the craziest thing is there's actually quite a wide segment of people who actually, like, if not love Jesus, at least endure him or acknowledge him or would even say, yeah, I love his idea of love or the way that he lived a compassionate life or his reach for the outcast or, or the way that he challenged social norms and, and his teaching on matters of the human heart and all those things. And he, he's a great teacher. Yeah, we can, we can handle that. But the reality is, many of those don't actually know the, the foundation or the authority or the tough truths that he proclaimed at all. And what's, what's at stake, like no pun intended, is how we respond to the tough truths. Because, and, uh, be, because our response to the truth shapes every part of the life that we live in this moment in response to the words that are coming out of my mouth in the next 30 minutes in the way that you live your life day in, day out, and in the long game forever. The way that you respond to, de to these truths are everything, whether you know that or not. Not everyone who finds himself in the room is part of the family. And we see that page after page. We see that in our own life. Maybe that's you who stumbled in today. Or maybe that's someone that you know who sat next to you in, in these chairs for years and you look around and you're like, man, where, where are they? What does their walk with Jesus look like? They're not around anymore. We've seen the crowd following a version of Jesus that, that they couldn't handle. But as soon as that, that version of king and kingdom became a little more clear, they, they spit the food out and, and they leave the table. This is what Jesus is shining light on. And, and what he says is, I, I, he perceives that, that the people take offense to this. <laughs> now, when you say it like that, it's like whatever, but, but let me say it a different way. Maybe you've heard this before. Like, does that offend you? That's what he's saying. I'm saying things. Are you offended by that? The world's always offended. <laughs> tough crowd. It's a really tough crowd. So he says, so he says, then what if you saw me ascend to the heavens from where I came? So he's saying, if you're offended by this, what if I reveal even greater truths that will flip your understanding of everything that you think you know to be true about yourself? about life, about me, about eternity, about everything. What if I showed you something even greater? There's a tough reality to our discipleship of Jesus, to, to our following and conforming to the life of Jesus. If he never offends us, it's probably not Jesus that we're following. And I know we've already said that. And this journey through John, but, but it's true over and over again. If, if, if he never offends us, it's probably not Jesus that we're following. Let me ask you this. When is the last time that you were confronted with something in the scriptures that challenged the way that you think 
the way that you believe, the way that you live. And, and it won. See, as we grow, we establish truths and we just kind of stick them on us and then we read our realities into the book and it always, and that's true in, in our maturing of faith and we can become calloused and no longer growing and being shaped by this living and active word and that's true on the shallow ends of our faith. Maybe we don't even believe and yet we would not let these truths conform us or shape us in any way. So just so you know, that's, that's not evidence that, that you're immature when the word continues to shape you, that's evidence that you are maturing, that you are being conformed to the image of Jesus, that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing inside of you, is that it continually changes you. It's not just, yeah, I've heard that, and yeah, I know that one, I know that passage, and I know that truth, and I've heard that before, but what work is it doing in you, and, and how, is it, how is it shaping you? See, just as we don't get to offend those who are in Christ or, or anyone, we don't get to offend just to be offensive, like, you shouldn't do that. Jesus, he doesn't do that either. He doesn't offend just to offend. <clears throat> but if we are never offended by the truths of God, then, then dust rules the universe. How arrogant are we to think, wherever you find yourself on the journey with the Lord, that, that you have it all figured out. Like the reality is dust doesn't rule the universe. The reality is that apart from him, his, his grace and, and his breathing life into you, then, you, then you're dust, the dust of the ground. Jesus, uh, that we're following, he, he invites us into something. And, and there are a million voices and influential instruments in the hands of all sorts of worldviews and some intended to deceive and, and some unknowingly deceived and deceiving and many of those voices will conflict and when they do they can't all be true it's impossible yet we're drawn to believe that 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 is something that can happen merciful and compassionate as Jesus is that he doesn't come to earth with an agenda to let all of creation determine what is true and what is not true. He isn't accepting conflicting realities as truth. I don't know if you've ever put on VR goggles, but my guess, right? They're really cool. Like you put these things on and, 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 uh, and they shape the way that you move, and you're like, oh my God, even just the interfaces and the way that you like the menu, and it's floating out there, and no matter what, it's there, and it's like really cool stuff, but many of us go around living as if we're wearing them, even when we're not, and, and we respond to what we see around us, these fabricated worlds without consequence, but that's, but that's not real, and, and when we do that, the real world, the truth that's revealed by God, from God, for us, is outside of our field of view. And we all know how that story, how that illustration, how that epic fail ends with some, some kid getting punched in the face by his dad who thought he was a boxer for a second. Or somebody running and, and, and diving into a wall because they thought they were Indiana Jones. Or somebody stumbling back and, and tripping over a couch because they thought there was a, a herd of elephants running in front of them. And, and the reality is, <clears throat> when we respond to those things that aren't real, those things that aren't true, it, it's, it's just us 
punching or getting punched or us diving into a wall or us stumbling over a couch. And, and the only thing is, the, the only difference is it's, it's not funny in the scene of like real life. It's, it's deadly to the extent that, that the scripture tells us this, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What that means is, is there is a deceiver and there is deception that we must acknowledge in this world. And there is a greater truth outside of you that we must wake up. Game being played. And that we have to try to figure out what is true. So he goes on. And Jesus says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. My words are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe. So he's just calling it like it is. Like I, I could say those words because those words undoubtedly are true in this room. The spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. My words are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe. Like what were these tough words that he's talking about? What, what were the things that, here's what he said just before this. If you, if you read before this, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And everyone's like, what's that? And he like doubles down. He's like, yep. They're like, huh? We were joking around in community group like, you know, like, is he being for real or is he not being for real? And it's like tough and we can sit with him in that. But like, you know, like somebody grabs his arm and just... You know, like, or like a cartoon scene when he like falls asleep and they're like sharpening the, the knife on the fork and it's like, you know, like, no, that's, and so if, if taken literally, it becomes like a little weird or even like a lot weird and, and, and that's a window insight to human nature that, that uh, we let skepticism callous us to cynicism and what that means is, is that we assign the worst to people without really seeking to understand them at all. That's what they did to Jesus. They couldn't have been like, wait, huh? Like, you, but do you mean like, you know, like chow down on your flesh? But he's painting out a, a bigger analogy. But, but this idea of skepticism that, that we look at everything with kind of like one eye, like I'm not really sure. And you, you live your life in disbelief that you trust no one. And what that does is it calluses us to where we become cynics. And, and everyone starts in a deficit. Everyone Everyone you meet starts in a deficit, and they have to work themselves up to have any validity or value in your life. That's what we see they're doing to Jesus. If someone thinks you or your views or your party or your tribe or your family, if, if someone thinks you the villain, mark it down. That's the world that we live in. That's the reality that some of us live by. Today, it's all the same that people assign the worst in order to excuse themselves from the dinner table of Jesus or the church or relationships. This is a real problem. And, and what happens in our culture is people, they wormhole to receive the worst and they, they discard the best. And, and sure, like I know that we are depraved. And you, you hear me say that more than anything else, that we're all broken and we're all susceptible and, 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 and capable of, of just the worst because of our sin nature. And we are broken, sure. But when we only respond to the worst in people, then we have lost the ability to love at all. 
So if taken, literally, man, this is a real problem. But if taken within the analogy that he's painting out, that I am the bread of life, that you thought it was the law, or you thought it was Moses, or you thought it was the work of your own hands, but, but turns out it's me. He says maybe even the more difficult truth, the only way to live is through me, that I am the end of all void inside of you and outside of you. That's what they can't handle. Or, or the way that he says it, the flesh is no help at all. The only way to the Father is me. The only way to eternal life is me. The only way to overcome the broken parts of this life is me. The only way to make sense of all the evil and the injustice and justice and goodness and love and compassion and accountability, the only way to make sense of all the things is, is me. And so dine on and delight in me and your life will be worth living. There is no other way. But the thing is there's a reason why people don't share verses like this with a nice background of flowers in a field is because it, it confronts and it draws lines in a world where we can't draw lines. And if we do, we're like etch-a-sketch lines that aren't very straight. And if like we get uncomfortable, we just shake them and draw new lines. He makes room for the Spirit to attest to him alone as the way of life. The tough truths of God will either draw you near or they will push you away. The second thing we see is, is that God grants eternal life. <clears throat> you might know that to be true. You might say, well, sure. But remember, we're, we're chapter 6. We're just getting to know Jesus and his ministry. And so we're learning along with him. God grants eternal life. He says, well, there are some of you who do not believe and then, then John gives us a little, little window insight, like a little foreshadowing, a little, little wink, but then also he's telling us kind of what's going on when this is unfolding. <clears throat> he says, but, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning those who, would, those who did not believe and those who, <clears throat> who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Right? They think they have it figured out, and Jesus is saying, no, you know that, that all of this is about me and, and my Father doing work. This is, this is really clarifying. We learn first that some disciples, some followers of this rabbi, Jesus, they, they come to a point where they can no longer handle the truth that he was dropping. Paul later, he gives us some insight as he charges Timothy to preach the word as he's planting a church in, in Ephesus. He says this, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, I'm glad we're over that. <laughs> but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And, and will turn away from listening to the truth and they will wander off into myths. And man, there's so much good from the world that we live in and the immediacy to be able to communicate in all the ways, but 
as I say all the time, like everyone has a microphone and it's literally easier than ever to accumulate for yourselves teachers to suit your own passions. You literally just subscribe and it is, is catered to you morning after morning, afternoon, evening. All the things that you want to hear about, you can like just, just choose it off of a menu and it's, it's delivered into your pocket to be consumed whenever you want to consume it. But this isn't new. It was true then. It's true in Jesus' day, in Timothy's day. And so he says, preach the word, be on guard. Let it transform and rebuke and shape every for people that, that are really just self-serving. <clears throat> so it seems that, that this is the reality in which we live, that people are coming in and out of the visible family of faith. They're coming in and out of, of the visible family of, of faith. They're around and then they're gone. And the hinge, like you can say this is the hinge or that's the thing that tipped me or that's the, the guy with the microphone said something that I just didn't like or that person looked at me with a glare that whatever or those people, they just don't, like whatever it is. But, but that's, that's not it. The hinge is your response to what is true, your response to truth. And, and then we learn that, that while that's true, what isn't true is that Jesus loses any who the Father sends him. In fact, we already read in this chapter that all that the Father gives me will come to me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And, and none who he does not give to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And you know what? I, I know that for some, that in itself is the tough truth. So we see this picture that Jesus is painting. He's both telling and showing that there are some here who aren't in for the right reasons. Like, you know, every episode of The Bachelor you've ever seen. Some of you just not here for the right reasons. We're just trying to figure this out. There are some who can't handle the reality that he has come to unveil. There are some who won't follow him to the place where he leads. There are some who won't surrender their life for the life that he offers. There are some who won't pick up their cross and follow him where he leads. There are some who won't continue to, there are some who will continue to depend on their own works instead of his. There are some who think that there is any other way to eternal life apart from him. And they won't be around because they were never his. Now that does something to us, if you understand what, what's being said, and this shouldn't make us angry or hardened or arrogant, but it should make us loving and softened and humble. See, this truth isn't about winning an argument. And, and if it is, if you read these things, you hear these words and you say, ha, then trust me, you're on the wrong side of the argument. You're already being hardened and calloused by the word. You don't know it, but it's already pushing you away. This truth isn't about winning an argument. This truth is the bedrock of salvation and the foundation of all faith, namely this, that God saves sinners. And if it were any other way, none would be saved. 
How does that taste this morning? What does it lead you to do? To cling to the grace of God for, for our only hope, for the fullness of life today and forever, or to turn away and to follow him no more? Look, hear me, there, there is mystery. Gosh, there are things that I, I don't understand. Right? And, and this can be a struggle, but my hope is that, that it's your greatest assurance. And it's your greatest delight. The tough truths of God will either draw you near or they will push you away. The last thing we see is, is God wants to know who is in. John will later tell us why he's writing these things. And he says, I'm writing the, you know, these chronicles of Jesus so that, this is in, in chapter 20 in John, he says, I'm writing these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. See, Jesus isn't saying these things here. John didn't write these things. This, the Spirit didn't inspire and preserve and, and translate and, and bind these things. I'm not preaching these things this morning to push anyone away, but so that you may believe and have life in Christ alone. Like as it's been said, the, the, the same sun that, that melts the ice hardens the clay. It's the same truth. It does different work. The, tr the true word of God both humbles and, and hardens the human heart. <clears throat> and we see... We see both one of the saddest scenes and the saddest lines in the Gospel of John here, and we also see one of the most motiva motivating, passionate lines of devotion here. This is what Jesus says, uh, or what John tells us. After this, many of his disciples turned back, and they no longer walked with him. It's tough. Like in, in his humanity, his people around, things swell, he's a big deal. And they, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not going with the ball, and they go home. What we don't see is Jesus run and say, hey, hey, no, 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 that's, you misunderstood, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean that I am the source of life. I, you know, like we can, you know, we can kind of do this. We can figure it out. He didn't say that. You know what he did? When the masses left, he turned to the, the masses. If, for them, it was too much. They were in and they were around and they were here for it and they were, they were tracking until they weren't. Turns out they were cake. They weren't true disciples at all. They weren't devoted to the end. They weren't learning and beholding. So what we get to ask, and it's so easy to villainize, but are you part of that crowd? Do you do just enough to look the part from a distance? Jesus goes on, and he said to the 12, 
Do you want to go away as well? Super tough. It's like his dudes he's been like living life with for some period of time. He said, follow me, and they have. He's been teaching them, and they've seen all the things. They've seen the miracles, the water to wine, the, the walking on water, the healing, the, the lame man, the feeding of the 5,000. They've seen all these things. So he says, do you want to walk away as well? And Simon Peter, gosh, like he's got some good days and he's got some bad days, right? But here, like this is like epitaph stuff. This is like, like carve on your gravestone. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus was surrounded by people, followers, these confessing allegiance, those who wanted in on the momentum of a, of a movement, those self-promoters looking to cash in, and those who thought their idea of a king was coming to restore them back to the center of the world. Those who wanted a savior to suit their own desires, and, and those who wanted a savior who wore the same style clothes as, as them and, and spoke the same language as they did, one who told them exactly what they wanted to hear. And even those who were sincere, they were in until he wasn't what they thought. And we learn a couple things from this. The, the first one is, is Jesus could have given in to them. He could have given in to the appeal. He could have given in to the allure, to the parade of people ready to follow him if he would just be exactly what they wanted him to be. He was indeed tempted in every way that we are, and yet he proved himself righteous and good by overcoming the world, its temptation, and its demand. But in the flesh, in the flesh, how easy is it to just lay down conviction and cater to public appeal? You'll be tempted in the same way. You have been. If you're, if you're walking with Jesus, certainly you've been tempted in the same way. And, and you'll be tempted in two ways. In your belief. Do I really believe that? Is that really what God said? And you get to seek the scriptures. You don't just get to go on what you thought or some video you watched once. Or some song that you sang. And certainly that's true. You get to seek the scriptures but you will be tempted in your belief and you'll, you will want to say, gosh, everyone else, it's, it's what everyone's saying and if I say that, what if they walk away? You'll be tempted in your belief and you'll be tempted in your obedience. It's really hard to follow Jesus. Like he, he didn't say sign up and all your wildest dreams will come true. And then say, sign up, and we're going to have the time of our life. He said, sign up, and I'll show you a better way. But what you're signing up for is to follow me to death. And in that, you will have the fullness of life today and forever. You will be tempted to believe lies and to follow your heart into wayward pastures and lesser shepherds. 
And it is in his obedience that we find our legs to stand firm and obey and continue on in faithfulness. Jesus could have given in to them. And, and the second thing we see here is, is that that version of a Savior, it wasn't the Savior at all. He came not to accomplish their will or his own will, but his Father's will. He came to seek and to save the lost, and he, and he came to transform a kingdom of hopeless sinners into hope-filled saints, reflecting the glory of God by his death, by his grace, by his life, and by his mercy alone. So, so is it real or is it cake? The, the call to define the relationship, here's the thing, it's, it's on us. It's not on him. Jesus has given himself. He's the host. He already knows. God wants to know who's in. God already knows who's in. And we've seen about six clues that tell us that already. Do you know who's in? And look, I, this is not to look to the left or to the right, but it's for us to look dead center and say, who am I in this story? And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve? Right, the first time he, he calls them the twelve. Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Gosh, you just never want him to say that about you. <laughs> he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So here's the thing. The way this show wraps up, the lights turn up, time is up, hands up, no more work to be done. They put the cakes on platforms, and they have a wall that spins around, and they spin around, and they hit the lights, and the judges have like 20 seconds or whatever to like, ooh, is it, is it cake? I, I don't know. You, you choose, like, you know, and they have to choose one. <clears throat> All the work is done. The, the inspection and the judgment begins and, and so the question is is it did I do enough to fool the judges and here's the thing the, the beauty of a life in Christ the only thing that we need to do to pass the test to win eternal gain it isn't to play a part or to pretend or to defend our work it's just to admit that that everything I put my life to it's it's cake it's eggs and flour it doesn't hold up. When the bowling ball comes and smashes my version of righteousness, it won't stand. It can't, it can't stand up to that. But, but Christ is enough. He is my all in all. He is the one whose faithfulness validates my fickleness. It isn't try harder as we walk with him. It isn't, oh gosh, you're right, I'm a terrible. No, that's where we start. It isn't try harder, but it's, it's lean harder on the work of Jesus to trust him even when things are really difficult. So here's the question for us. The band can come on up. I mean, wherever this finds you, Lord, to whom shall we go? To 
Who else's eternal arms could I possibly run in difficulty and confusion and pain and darkness and sin and celebration in my distorted thinking and my distorted living in my clear thoughts and my success and my wealth or my poverty and health or sickness and soft lies or tough truths? Lord, to whom shall I go? We have believed that you are the eternal one the Son of God, the one worthy to build our life on. That's what we get to do today. So we get to respond, and and our response will be a little different today. We're not taking communion as we normally do. We're going to respond in in, uh, reflection. So we get to reflect and repent and respond by asking ourselves some questions. We get to stand up and sing. Um, If you are a parent that has children back in Kayville, we encourage you to go get them like as soon as the band strikes up the chorus. I mean like just strums chords, not even the chorus, right? Just go get them immediately, right? Um, So we're getting ready to have baptism and and just so that you know what, what we're doing is we're just emphasizing new life and entrance into the community, into the mission of Jesus. We don't baptize as a way to earn anything. And all of these people know that. It, it doesn't save. There's nothing special about this water. Like, it's water. There's nothing special about it, but it, but it reflects and it represents and it communicates the greater truth of our new life in Christ, that we are buried with Christ in his death and we are raised by his resurrection and new life. Right? And so that's what we're going to hear about, and that's what we're going to celebrate with three people who have professed faith and understood what baptism is, a way to acknowledge the Spirit's work of uniting our life to the life of Christ. So parents, go get your kids, right? And things will get a little chaotic in the next few minutes. That's okay. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the gift of your word <clears throat> that you draw tough truths and you invite us into that, and, and you are not unable to sit with us and to hear us and to, to let us respond and, and, uh, and ask you questions. And, and God, would you give us hearts and minds that sift the scriptures? Would you give us uh, lives that, that submit ourselves to one another around us as we wrestle and as we struggle? This isn't easy to follow you, but, but your grace is sufficient for us and your spirit is present and your word is enough. So would you let us be a family that... that uh, pushes one another along, that, that we don't let these tough trees harden us, but they would be the most loving community the world has ever seen, because that's the God that we get to live in light of. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.